0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: and good afternoon welcome to fantasy sports today with you here on sports grid i'm craig mish along with joe Pizapia. we got an exciting show for you for the next two hours we are following the footsteps as the NFL season is getting ready to begin. And Joe can't wait for it coming up on Thursday. We're gonna break it all down for you here on this Tuesday. How was your weekend?
2: Uh, it was very good. It was like the last ditches of summer. It felt like we were just kind of holding on as much as we could, you know, tell when the pool is starting to get a little cold that falls around the corner, but that means football and that's a good thing. And I am excited and ready and here we are. There was a lot of questions a few months ago, whether or not we would ever get to this place, we are here. We are on the precipice of an NFL season, and I am super excited about it.
1: Yeah, I am too, and certainly we have a lot of baseball to get to as well as uh, recapping the NBA, which I think is probably the top story for today. So let's get right to it here on this edition of Fantasy Sports Today and taking a look at some of the things that are in our headlines today. There's no doubt that yesterday was just a huge, huge performance uh, for Kawhi Leonard and the Los Angeles Clippers. He had a block yesterday that he, it looked like he used basically his finger to block a shot at the end of the game and the Clippers end up advancing uh, to the next game as they win over the Denver Nuggets. Dustin Johnson wins the FedEx cup and earns $15 million in the process. So congratulations to him. We had a player in the pack 12 uh, in, in Pene Sewell opt out of the 2020 season. He's like a top three, top four pick in the draft. I'm not really sure what he's opting out of considering that the pack didn't play. I didn't really understand this one, but he is opting out of of whatever could be, I suppose uh, James Robinson potentially could start at running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up this weekend. Uh, really, the, the Patriots running back situation is extremely murky. Damian Harris headed to injured reserve, and it looks like they could use multiple players. Uh, Blue Jays are going to be without Teoscar Hernandez as he was placed on the 10-day injured list, but the Jays are playing great whether he's in the lineup or not. And then Southern Miss's head coach, uh, Joe uh, James Hopson, essentially resigns after just one game. They look horrible, True after one game but he's got a whole season to play all this practice all this build up and he's just done after one game
2: yeah i mean geez talk about a new level of quitting that's definitely higher on the trough bad news about Damian harris too he's one of my favorite late draft picks in a lot of drafts because i thought he would uh, get an opportunity early on and missing the first three weeks of the season now potentially that does open up the void there for sony michelle to prove he's healthy enough and you know obviously james white's gonna have a fair amount of uh Touches another backfield as well. But also, the Blue Jays, you know, even without Tiosker, I got to say, between Kevin B., between Grichick, Guerrero's played a little better of late. Uh, They get the Yankees this week coming into town, into Buffalo. It seems like they're catching the Yankees at a good time, too, as they continue to have injuries with their Shella going on the IL earlier this weekend, too. So I don't know. I don't even know if this is even a hiccup for him. As good as Tiosker has been, I wonder if the Blue Jays just keep on rolling, Greg.
1: Yeah, they've, uh, the Blue Jays have been, and it's funny, we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show. That, um, look, they've been one of the surprising teams, I think, in baseball this year. And you can make the argument. That they've been the of bre- the best team in New York thus far, joke.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com
1: And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe P. It's time to take a look at our fantasy standouts from Monday night. And Joe, uh, certainly I know that, look, football is coming on Thursday. We had college football last night. And certainly now it's kind of full steam ahead with all the different sports that we have going on NHL Stanley Cup, NBA Finals, baseball playoffs, college football, pro football. It's all here for us this week.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Still got a couple other. Fans to uh, finish up today and tomorrow as well. So I know most of those people who listen to you are drafting probably in the next 24 hours because they waited as long as possible to do so. And that's probably been a good thing. So, uh, yeah, we're in the thick of it, man. Baseball, NBA, and, of course, fantasy football right around the corner.
1: Yeah, and, in fact, I did have my two drafts on Sunday night and Monday night. So we can kind of uh, go through that a little bit. But I'm done. That's it. Two drafts and done. Got a few offers, by the way, in the last 24 hours to do another one. I'm like, no, 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 I'm out, done, finished. Very happy to be uh, in the drafts that I'm in. And by the way, coming up a little bit later in the show, for those of you who still have not drafted, and potentially, let's say, you have the 10th spot in your draft coming up tonight or tomorrow, we're going to help you out with that and show you who you should be picking in fantasy football this year. But for now, let's get to our fantasy standouts here for this Tuesday and cover everything that happened in Major League Baseball. Let's start off with the Seattle Mariners. Don't look now. A week ago, you would have said the Mariners may end up the worst team in the American League. And all of a sudden, they won six games in a row, and they're in the playoff hunt again. How about that? Dylan Moore, two hits, a home run. He hit his sixth yesterday. Also drove in four runs. Good start from Marco Gonzalez as well. Lord Guriel Jr. lit up the stat sheet yesterday, especially in DFS with three hits, and also stole a base. Then Nelson Lamette, seven and two-thirds, six innings pitched, 11 strikeouts. Couldn't get the win, though. They had to walk that one off in San Diego last night. Chris Bassett of Oakland. Another good pitching performance for him. He's been really good. Of all the pitchers that we talk about in Oakland, never mentioned this guy. He's been one of their best. Seven innings pitched, no one runs, four strikeouts. He's three and two. Max Scherzer put together his fourth win of the season. Seven innings pitched, no one runs, eight strikeouts. Kevin Gossman of the Giants outdueled Zach Gallen. Wasn't much of a duel at all. Giants uh, actually finally ended the streak of Gallen's starts of three earned runs or less. Gossman six innings pitched, one and run, nine strikeouts and he improves to 3-2 and two on the season. So he had some good hitting, but I think, uh, Joe, for the most part, a lot of good pitching performances yesterday, which is sort of rare in this day and age of baseball, but we got it yesterday. And and I think that LaMette in particular is really starting to come on, and I wonder when the Padres open up their, their postseason and they open up their playoff series, he's got to get a start. Uh, does he get the first start, the second start? Because he's certainly going to get one of the first
2: three that they make. Well, I would be shocked if he didn't get the second one, at least. I mean, he certainly pitched well enough to earn that spot. And funny, like, this is the guy going into the year that had the most strikeout upside in this whole grouping of pitchers, as good as Chris Central was. It was Lemet. It was really the tempting guy from a fantasy perspective to get him rounds later. And the opposition of my club, that conversation, too. That's a pretty formidable one, two, three, if everybody is right. Paddock was a little up and down a couple weeks, but seems to be getting in a better track now. That's... That's so good with a two pitch pitcher. That's something to always be concerned about. If he's not locating well, all of a sudden it becomes a little predictable. But Lamette has been tremendous. There's no doubt about that. And for my money, I think you want to start him out there at two. We think you keep Paddock as your ace, quote unquote. Clevenger's the guy you just brought in three. And uh, I think you're right with that. And if so, that's a good. Run. You know, Gallon had his first mediocre start of his career. <laughs> and of course, he gets all there. The guy just finally got his first win of the season. It's, it's terrible to think that. You can have a so-so start, and then there you go, boom, there you get that loss as well. So, I mean, Gallons just had a tough go. He just deserves so much better than he's gotten. That is the perfect example of why win-loss record is not something you should care about at all as a fantasy owner. You want to care all about the other stats, and Gallons certainly giving you those in spades.
1: Yeah, he definitely did, although he uh, took one on the chin yesterday. does deserve a few more wins. One team that hasn't been really deserving of any wins has been the New York Yankees, and all of a sudden, don't look now, They're a 500 team in Major League Baseball, and I'm sure that they'll make the postseason, but things have not gone particularly well for them, especially on the pitching end of it where the Blue Jays batted around and basically put the game away in the sixth inning after the Yankees had a lead. And there really are no right answers for the Yankees. They feel very confident still in their bullpen, but how can they feel confident overall with this kind of payroll they have being just a game over 500? Aaron Boone, the manager of the Yankees, met with the media after their game yesterday and basically said they still have enough talent to win. We have a lot of really good players, guys that have had a lot of success in this league. And uh, you've got to trust in, in, in that ability in that it's going to turn. Doesn't mean you, you don't dig in and you don't grind and you don't look to where you can make subtle adjustments to continue to improve and, and put us in a position to start winning games. But, um, you got to have that belief, and uh, and that's the biggest thing right now, especially when we're going through a tough time. And, Joe, that's the thing right now for, for the Yankees. They still, on paper, do have a very talented team. And last year, uh, both in fantasy and reality, you could just basically take the players that they lost, plug in new players, and build your own fantasy team. It has not been the case for them this year. And they're just trying to hang on for dear life at this point. I would guess, Joe, they're just going to hang in there and hope that getting all of their stars back a week before the season ends is enough to carry them in the postseason. We really don't have a lot of track record for that in the past where you just basically don't play anyone finishes a five or six seed. Yankees really need to be at the top in order to do that, I think.
2: No, I think you're absolutely right. And look, Garrett Cole wasn't brought in here to have a mid-threes ERA. Garrett Cole was coming here to be a, a surefire ace who was locking down games, and he hasn't quite been that. And I actually saw a tweet going around this weekend, people saying, hey, remember when Lance Lynn and Sonny Gray were both Yankees? Boy, they would kill to have both of those guys now. And uh, it's so strange that you know those are two pitchers that kind of got away from them, and then you couple that with the injuries of the last two years. And, yes, last year was – something that was terrific with guys like Gershella and others that you know luke Voigtz and all those people who stepped into the void glaber torres obviously as well torres just came back this weekend but still you can't count on that like you're saying it's very difficult to go to the b team and think that you're going to always be able to go down to that well and get a lot of productivity out of them that's why they're the b team in the first place and i think in this strange bizarre year we're in it would be shocking to see the yankees not get in the playoffs we think they're going to be that Is how healthy will they be and that's going to basically determine their outcome and even if they are healthy you kind of wonder craig with all that, that time off of guys like judge and stanton if they even can person some of these pitchers, where are they going to be at this point and are they Going to be able to flip the switch, and I think that's a real question to ask.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to say, and and we just don't have a lot of track record for a team this good that essentially is playing extremely, extremely sub five hundred um, baseball over the last week or two. Um, so I would guess that moving forward, what they're going to have to do is maybe speed up their timeline a little bit and bring players back just a little bit early and see if that can kind of get them back on the right track. But the way that they're losing these games in particular and blowing leads is not something that this uh, this team should be doing, considering that they have this built bullpen. And, and again, you have players that are hurt too. But you, when you have to look at it, I think in the big picture, you would imagine that they'll get in, and then you just kind of have to see how things work out for them in the long run. Uh, also, a couple of quick news and notes for baseball before we go all football a little bit later here in the show. Max Freed placed on the 10-day injured list by the Atlanta Braves. And the Braves in particular are one of those teams where you look at their record and say, how would they do it? I mean, they are now at the point, I believe, of going with uh, all five new starters <laughs> in their starting rotation have the Atlanta Braves. They've lost uh, Cole Hamels, hasn't even pitched a all this season. Um, you know, we got Max Freed now on the injured list. They've had a, you know, just a really tough time keeping players healthy. And, uh, and now Kyle Wright is going to be forced back into the big league rotation. Wright is a pitcher that they were counting on over the last couple of years to be a factor with them. And they were in a position where they really didn't, I would say, have to have uh, you know, any of these young guys pitching. But based on the way that Ian Anderson pitched on Monday, and Anderson's had a couple of good starts in a row, it's really hard to envision how the Braves can be a World Series team, Joe, with just running out all of these young pitchers, uh, you know, one through five. They're just kind of in a tough spot right now. All right. Well, um, we'll uh, get back to Joe in just a minute here and uh, continue to talk a little baseball and uh, and some basketball as well. Uh, I got to tell you, one of the most entertaining things that I have seen has been the social media reaction around the NBA based on everything that's happened in these games. Uh, You know, the games have been entertaining, but the best part of the games are uh, are after the games and to see the, the team, the teams essentially that have these great fan bases. And by the way fantastic fan bases that are around and all the places that are left. And ironically, when you look at it, it's Boston, Toronto, those two teams are fighting. Tonight, it's going to be Milwaukee on the precipice of finally getting to an NBA Finals and playing for a championship for the first time in like 50 years, 40 years. And now they're on the brink of potentially losing when they play the Heat later on today. So uh, we'll have some fun with this a little bit later in the show. And of course, coming up, we're going to have the NBA tip drill. The DFS perspective, as Greg and Jeremy are going to give you that as well. Uh, in addition to that, what will the Houston Texans look like this season without DeAndre Hopkins? Are there players on their roster in particular that have another gear? David Johnson, can he get back to what he used to be? Can Will Fuller end up staying on the field? And if not, who are some of those potential players that could jump into your fantasy lineup this season and end up helping you in the long run? That's one of the, t- the topics that we're going to dive into a little bit later in the show. Also, Joe uh, challenged me before the weekend and asked me to take on the Cobra Kai series. I did. I'll give you my update on that, how far I am in it, when we do fantasy or reality coming up a little bit later in the show. We'll be right back with the update from Dan Trafford and then, of course, the tip drill. And then Joe and I will be back in just a few minutes. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid Today is September the 8th. We're a couple of days away from the season opener in the NFL as Major League Baseball rolls on. And of course, two NBA games tonight. We'll break it all down for you right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. But before we go any further, we have not yet taken a look at the NFC South in 2020. Always a very competitive division where teams seem to beat up on each other regardless of what their records are. And if you think that that happens In every division, think again, it really happens in this one. you got the Falcons sometimes beating the Saints when they're great and vice versa. Who knows how the Buccaneers would fare in the past under James Winston and certainly Joe Carolina, regardless of how good or bad or ugly they are, always finds a way to win late games and sometimes lose late games as well. So I I, I think that it may not be a competitive division like we've seen in the past, and I think that the Saints – probably along with the Bucs are the class of the division, but it wouldn't shock me at all to see some big upsets in this division this year too.
2: No, it's going to be really fun, that's for sure. Uh, And adding Tom Brady into this mix here, I mean, one can only imagine what this is going to potentially look like. But when we start with the Saints here, this is clearly still the class of the division. I know we're getting closer and closer to a potential Alvin Kamara deal. Uh, Could even happen during the show here. So that is very important to make sure that he is in and happy and ready to go. Because there's no, no doubt about that. And as you look at the here, you know, it starts with Drew Brees and, and Latavius Murray. And Murray is a very capable second guy. And I think they did a really good job by targeting him and acquiring him from Minnesota a few years ago, and Murray proved that when Dalvin Cook was hurt, he stepped up into that void and was very productive. I think he'd do the same thing again, just like he did last year when Alvin Kamara was at 100%. So looking at that, those are two very solid running backs. so You know what you're getting, and Kamara is an absolute beast. He's an absolute game changer. We all know that, and so is Michael Thomas. I mean, he is the number one wide receiver in fantasy with good reason. And you, of course, have Emmanuel Sanders there, who they brought in, which I think is very smart to bring in another veteran there. Sanders can work out of the slot as well. Uh, somebody who's versatile like Emmanuel Sanders really does kind of help drew Brees in this attack start to give you different looks something they couldn't do last year even though Michael Thomas was so good they still were kind of limited in what they could show to opposing defenses and then Trey Smith we'll see if he can emerge and build on last year it's a guy that always has moments and last but not least we have Jared Cook at the tight end position here Craig and Cook to me still seems like that guy who can catch a touchdown for you and return value as a low end tight end one on most weeks. And that's all you got to do to hit that tight end one is catch a touchdown. If you could do that on a semi-regular basis, you're pretty good, but really it's all about Drew Brees at this point in his career, staying healthy. And I'm curious if you think that somehow if Drew Brees should miss time again, do you feel like Winston can go in there and like Bridgewater kind of run this offense and be as good as Ted was because Winston makes a lot of mistakes because kind of a uh, uh, talent him. Do you kind of take the mistakes away from him potentially?
1: Yeah, I think that from a fantasy perspective, I think you'd be really happy with the results from your your team. I think from the Saints perspective, I'm not really all that sure. They did lean on Camara quite a bit when uh, Breeze was out, when he came back, Camara was probably not a hundred percent. But I, look, I think that you could say that about the quarterback with every team in the NFL. And so um, I, I think it was a really smart move for the Saints to end up signing winston and you know honestly with the way that the nfl could be set up this year i love the idea of philadelphia signing josh mccown and having him on a couch i think that every team should do that and uh, josh rosen if i'm not mistaken uh signed about 20 minutes ago too to a practice squad and he will be a guy that if a team has a rash of issues or injuries at the quarterback position would be available it's something that was is very savvy and very smart because if you think that a quarterback is not going to be on the COVID list all season long, you're kidding yourself. Eventually, it's going to happen in 2020. It's happened all across baseball. How could it not in football as well? Uh, okay, let's take a look in Tampa Bay. And Tom Brady is uh, is back, and he's in a new uniform this year, one of the most anticipated debuts in, in, in the NFL in a long period of time. And uh, who knows really who his running mate is going to be. It's very unclear at this point. Uh, Arians has said Ronald Jones is the starter, but clearly Fournette is the more talented back. It probably will be messy in the first couple of weeks, and and then we'll just kind of see how it plays out. Uh, they also have Keyshawn Vaughn, who was just a great pass uh, catching back. Who they took very early as well. I would expect him to be in the mix. Uh, Godwin is at wide receiver. I ended up drafting him this weekend as, as one of my wide receiver ones. Mike Evans in another league. I have him as my wide receiver one. And then uh, Scotty Miller is, uh, is, is, I think, for me, going to be another – Pass catching guy that Brady can lean on like Welker, like Edelman, like some of the other guys he's had in the past. And then at tight end, we have Rob Gronkowski, Joe, who uh, was drafted in the league I was in. I want to say like in the fifth or sixth round yesterday. And, and look, maybe that will work out for them and and maybe I'll be completely wrong, but I'm just staying far away. And I love Gronk, but I'm just staying far
2: away from Gronk this year. I don't know what to expect. No, I, I am right there with you. I'm right behind you in terms of staying away from Gronkowski this year. Now, the Bucks have a unique perspective too because they still have OJ Howard on this roster, and Brady they, they can run a lot of two tight end sets. They can give you a lot of different looks, and and that is also a big positive for Tom Brady. It's something back with the Patriots I like to do quite a bit. It's hard not to think that Godwin's going to be the best fantasy asset of all of them because he just kind of feels like the right guy in terms of the kind of routes he runs and kinds of what you saw last year the productivity of what he was able to do that tom brady and he would be a very good sink and that doesn't mean mike evans is an afterthought he's not but i think when you look at the game log of mike evans last year it's going to look very similar to this year he's going to have some monstrous games and if you have him in on fanduel those weeks that's great but there's going to be some letdown games too. And, and that kind of happens sometimes with some of these guys, AJ Green was kind of like that in the past too. Some of these wide receiver ones, they tend to have explosive games. Amari Cooper is another one. And then they have some games that are not so explosive. But then there's a guy like Godwin who has a higher weekly floor, And just as high of a ceiling. I am out on all the tight ends over there. I'm in on Godwin. And you know I'm in on Fournette as well. I think it's going to take him a week or two to pick up the offense. And after that, I expect him to run with it. And that is a pun intended. I just think this guy is the right fit. It's a one-year deal. You don't go after a guy like that if you're not going to play a guy like that. And Ronald Jones has had many, many opportunities to separate himself. He hasn't done it yet. And if he had such a great camp, then why are they paying Leonard Fournette $3.5 million? I don't know the reason.
1: Yeah, we're going we're gonna to find out. We don't see it the same way on him, but certainly um, we'll, we'll see it play out very quickly, I think. And by two, week two or week three, we'll know for sure. I, know, I wouldn't use week one as any indication. He's only had a week. No, already. of course not. Uh, yeah, it's, it wouldn't, I wouldn't use him anywhere. But, but right after that would be fair. Okay, let's go to Atlanta and Matt Ryan, who could be poised to have one of the bigger years in fantasy this year for me. Uh, I did draft him in a league over the weekend, and because it's a clear indictment of me of their running back and Todd Gurley, and I and I think they're going to be throwing a ton to Jones, ton to Ridley. Gage is another option there. Hurst is another nice option they added to that point. And and look, at, at some point, we're going to find out whether or not Todd Gurley is healthy, Joe. It's going to be very early on in the season here. And the indication when we saw him play last year was we knew very quickly early on that he was not going to be the Todd Gurley of the past. The truth is in fantasy, he doesn't need to be the Todd Gurley of the past because as you have mentioned many times, in the end, regardless of how poor he looked, he did grade out as an RB2 at the end of the year. That is true. Uh, I don't see that happening again for him this year. And I, and by the way, I had Brian Hill uh, last year when, when he came up for Atlanta. He didn't look good either. So I'm not convinced that anybody could run the football for them this year. And by the way, I'm not convinced Atlanta's going to be a good team this year, but I am convinced they're going to be throwing a lot. And so I do like uh, the combination of Ryan Jones, Ridley, and maybe even Hurst as well.
2: Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I don't see them running the football a lot this year either. He didn't run the football a ton last year. If you had Devonta Freeman last year, his fantasy points came from catching the football. That's how you stay somehow rolling out there every week. Would still catch half a dozen balls every week, and even though he wasn't scored a lot of touchdowns or getting a lot of rushing, those full PPR points mattered. Those six points he would give you on top of this, you know, sixty something yards rushing. All of a sudden, that nah, twelve points you can kind of live with that. So if Todd Gurley can at least be what he was last year, I i think that the problem with Gurley last year is you did not see the amount of reception opportunities. Now that's not going to be the way the Atlanta Falcons attack this. Really. If they don't see this or- Be efficient with the touchdowns last year, but add in just a little bit more in terms of reception opportunity. I think he still finishes somewhere probably by default, too. Because when you consider running back two, and guys are going to, there's going to be guys who lose out to some of these rookies. You're going to have situations like the Cam Akers situation, the Rams. You're going to have the Carry on Johnson, DeAndre Swift situation. You're going to have a lot of these running back by committees or groups kind of play themselves out over time. one thing that Gurley really has going for him is the fact, like you said, he's not super, you Smith, not super impressive. So at this point, it's just about whether or not he'll stay and play 16 games. And he played all his games last year. Uh, the one thing you want with this Falcons team is Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan. That, that grouping of guys, that trio, that stack, if you will, is going to be incredibly productive, not just in DFS, but in season-long too. In my Scott Fishball, I actually have all three of those guys, and I'm very happy about it. Yeah, I'm going to take a bad hit on that one bye week. Let's see how my record is by then, because nobody throws the ball more than the Falcons. No one's more aggressive than they are, and they have the weapons to do that. We'll see what Hayden Hurst is. I am cautiously optimistic. Some people have him very high on their tight end board, all the way up in like five or six, which I think is a little – ridiculous, but at the same time, most of the time in ADP, he's going somewhere in that lower tight end one, which is a good spot to take a shot on a guy like Hurst because of the volume of the offense. So Atlanta's the same deal. Offense is going to be really good. Defense is still going to be questionable. Defense will be improved, but not enough to stop how aggressive this offense is going to be. And that's what makes the Falcons so valuable in terms of fantasy.
1: Yeah and, and again they're going to have to play against New Orleans and and Tampa Bay and provided those offenses are good they're going to have to stay in those games somehow it's going to come through the air. Uh now Carolina this season is not projected to be a very good football team and and they've sent that message I think. Um Matt Rule takes over and has a nice long contract so uh, this is more of a rebuilding team but you know Miami was a rebuilding team last year and ended up winning uh five games. So uh, maybe Carolina can too. It's around where their total is. Teddy Bridgewater is going to manage the game for them. And he did very well with the saints. McCaffrey is, is I think still the number one pick. I, I, I am concerned at the end of the year for McCaffrey, if they fall out of it, what they would choose to do with him. That's my only concern going into a year. What, in a Super Bowl situation, what you would have, a fantasy Super Bowl situation with McCaffrey. Uh, DJ Moore will probably take another step. Robbie Anderson, in a couple drafts I did, slipped big time. I didn't take him, but I was wondering why he slipped so much. And then uh, then Samuel is, is, I don't think, much on the radar, and I don't think they're uh, tight end Thomas' is too. And, and so, Joe, you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot of a young defense. I know they improved it in the offseason, but Carolina really begins and ends with McCaffrey. And my guess is that through the first 10 games or so of this year, he's probably going to put up the same or similar numbers to, he always, to what he always has had in the past. They'll get better quarterback play this year than they had last year from Bridgewater, that's for sure. But I do have concerns that at the end of the year, if Carolina isn't very good, and let's say they're 2-9, and nine, which, by the way, could still get them at their win total, being 2-9, and nine, do they say, you know what, this ain't our year, let's slow it down with McCaffrey, and then what do you do? I mean, you drafted this guy one to play in the playoffs, you may not have him.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a possibility, but you should have that problem to get into the playoffs and have McCaffrey. I have a one pick coming up today, and I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey. I'm just not going to overthink it. Uh, That's just where I'm at right now. And I think Bridgewater is going to do all right here in this offense. I actually think he's going to be better. And I actually saw a better version of Teddy Bridgewater last season when he took over for Drew Brees. And I was very impressed with what I saw out of him. And uh, we all know the deep ball is a concern for him. That's the one thing that always holds up his value. And I think that's why you see Robbie Anderson kind of fall off because that's more his bag. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for Robbie Anderson to be that home run hitter. And Teddy B is not necessarily. I mean, he's completely useless in a deeper league. I think Robbie Anderson is a target Uh, DJ Moore. Incredible last year. Incredibly consistent. The game log was great. The guy showed up every – the touchdowns weren't very high, and that's the big knock on him. And I don't know if it's going to get any better. If we try to project somewhere around six, that would be terrific. Anything more than that I think is going to be gravy. This offense still is Christian McCaffrey. It's all about McCaffrey. I do think Robbie Anderson's going to have a couple one-off moments there, but it's everything going to run through CMC. And I think for one more year, you're pretty safe here with him. And after this, this is when you have to sit down with yourself and kind of make this – Estimate and say, all right, I've gotten three number one overall season First year half. What are the next three years going to look like in my dynasty league? That's a real question to ask. And he want to make moves that be used. the other thing in mind with this team is that defense is not very, good. also very. Good. So they've got seven the new players that they draft took all defensive players with all seven of their picks in the draft. So it's going to be a very inexperienced defense. That's not a good thing when you're facing Drew Brees and Tom Brady two times a year and Matt Ryan. Okay. So those six games right away are going to be really tough. So Teddy B might be in some shootouts here, but I think that they're going to have to continue to try to score and keep up with any of those three quarterbacks in some of those in division games at the very least. So the Panthers are going to get some garbage time points at the same time. I don't think you could be very excited about this offense overall outside of CMC to begin with.
1: All right, let's do this. We'll take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports Today. And when we come back, it's time to take a look at the Houston Texans in 2020. This is a completely revamped and new look team under Bill O'Brien. Will they have the same results, which is basically getting to the postseason every year? Some players helping you in fantasy as well. We'll tell you next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back fantasy sports today with you here on sports grid. We've got our headlines coming up at the top of the hour in just five minutes from now, if you are leaving us, make sure you catch our show on demand 24 hours a day, seven days a week over on sports grid and sportsgrid.com. Uh 2020 season opens up on Thursday. It will be Kansas city and Houston. And certainly that was one of the more interesting playoff games that we saw last year in the, uh, in the early part of the playoffs where Houston took a lead and then saw it go away pretty quickly. And and then we saw DeAndre Hopkins go away pretty quickly, Joe, from the Houston Texans. And Bill O'Brien was just crushed left, right, up, down, side to side, basically saying it was one of the worst trades ever in the history of the NFL. Uh, We're going to find out. And we're going to find out pretty quickly in the first few weeks. But opening week, we're going to see this lineup for the Houston Texans made up of quarterback Deshaun Watson, running back David Johnson. Wide receiver Will Fuller, wide receiver Brandon Cooks, and then Randall Cobbs on yet another team in 2020. And so on paper, doesn't look great. Johnson coming off an injury, Fuller hurt for the most part, half of his career. Brandon Cooks has concussion injuries, and it's always been that one-man show of Watson. Will that change Thursday? Will that change this season?
2: Yeah. And, and that is a huge question mark. And what I've seen so far in a lot of my drafts is Deshaun Watson falling because of this cast, because of the unknown. And I don't think it's wrong, but I'm taking advantage of it every single spot that I possibly can where he falls, because Deshaun Watson's a quarterback, everybody around him better. And there are very few of those guys out there. And I understand that. You got a couple journeyman guys that you can call there with Randall Cobb, and at this point in Brandon Cooks' career, we've seen some very good years from him. But again, he's kind of a boomer bust guy, and last year obviously had some issues that he dealt with uh, in terms of health. But I think Cooks can have some decent moments. I think Cobb's going to be a steady guy. Will Fuller already has a really good rapport with Watson. I don't necessarily want a whole lot of shares of the rest of this Texans' offense. But the point I'm going to make to everybody is that doesn't mean Deshaun Watson can't still be a great fantasy quarterback. And what I'm seeing right now is people are downgrading. Sean Watson based on these weapons. And I don't think that's necessarily the right thing to do. Kind of remember Drew Brees having some teams sometimes where you look at and go, man, some of these pieces are lackluster, right? I mean, Marquez Colston once upon a time was the best asset that he had. And you look around and you start to remember that and you say, well, what did he do? He made everybody better. So what you want is quarterbacks like that on your fantasy team. So it might be fun to play around cook some But I think that Deshaun Watson is the guy for me that I still believe in very much, Craig. And I am going to absolutely take advantage of him dropping. And I'll tell you what, I'm not confident in David Johnson either. That's another guy for me. Uh, Looking at him last year and seeing him just not being able to move at the line of scrimmage, that was terrifying to me. So I see a lot of people trying to take him and saying, well, the Texans like to run the football a lot. Yeah, between the tackles, which is not what DJ does best. So. For me, it's all about Deshaun Watson. I think the pieces are good enough there that he will get the most he can out of them. But take advantage of that discount when you get him.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's hard to see it any other way except for the way I think we both see it with David Johnson. The only possible way that you could endorse David Johnson in fantasy football this year is if you did not watch him play last year. That, that simply <laughs> is the only way. Because if you watched him, there is no possible way that you could draft him this year. We didn't get a single view of him in the NFL preseason, and any video view of him was sent out by HoustonTexans.com. That's not enough for me to draft him in fantasy football in 2020. Coming up back, it's time for our headlines, top of the hour. What will happen tonight with the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis? Can he win? Is he out? We'll discuss it next